your kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12.25 Division, deception, misinformation, mistrust. In a nation where so many in the faith are wondering how we got here, and many question if there's any way to reconcile, we bring you a space designed to ensure that truth reclaims the fringes, open, honest, and real, no filter. Nothing is off limits, nothing is out of bounds. This is Two Americas, One God. Ladies and uh, gentlemen, I'm so used to saying somebody else's name in the beginning right now. So that's true. Like it feels weird, uh, man. This this interview thing has been great, but you know, sometimes it, uh, you just gotta introduce yourself, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we've been very guest heavy, which is good. Yeah, no, I love guests. Yeah. Guests are great. Mm-hmm. They are amazing, but you know, sometimes it just just gotta be we. No, that's how that works. That's good. Anyway, yeah. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Two Americas, One God, the podcast that is out here trying to save the doggone world. Okay, maybe not, but at least we're trying to make sure that... Uh, <laughs> very ambitious. <laughs> the truth continues to reclaim the fringes, and we are faith for the culture. My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And as always, we're glad to have you rocking with us. And on this episode, uh, we are yeah. actually... Very special episode, right? Yeah. We're, we we're, are, we're talking all about the World Cup. No. No? Absolutely not. Oh. No, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, we could. We could talk about all the tragedies and no, travesties. That's probably and best we just avoid that. But. Tracicities. And, <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, it's... It's hilarious to watch. Like I'm just when people are winning and still not making it to their next level, I was just like, this is the most disrespectful tournament I've ever seen in oh, my yeah. entire life. And that's that's my favorite part, maybe. And at the same maybe. time, maybe not. If we built in a pause after I said the World Cup, like a five second pause, would people just be like, nah, and just turn the podcast off and not know? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> probably would have would have happened. No, 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 no we're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're. Uh, it's uh, I guess a little bittersweet, and at the same time, not. Um, I'll be breaking some of that down later. But we, you know, uh, anybody who has had a conversation with us knows that we were breaking this down into seasons, and this will be the end of the first season. Wild. Yeah, we did We did a season, man. High five, bro. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it was good, too. And now the kind of the long-promised, awaited episode that we've always wanted to do, but I haven't know, done right? it. Say so. what? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way, way, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent way. Yeah. So on today we are doing our mailbag, and so uh, what we did was we had an opportunity to talk to some of our uh, biggest supporters and thank you guys once again. Uh, on this episode, you shan't be named, but just know that we know that you know that you know who you are. And uh, no, we just asked, you know, uh, do you guys have any uh, questions, any follow up from previous episodes, or really do you just have questions in general that you want answered? And I'm going to tell you right now, looking at these questions, yeah, yeah, people just have questions they want to answer. Yeah, these are fun <laughs> questions. In no way 
are we the experts? And we'll probably get a lot of these wrong. But we we will give you our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to say we're going to get them wrong. Well, yeah. I guess yeah. there's not necessarily a right or wrong to some of them. Um, no, there's definitely a right or wrong to some of them. <laughs> uh, you know, some of that might be subject to interpretation. But, yeah, we're just uh, we're excited uh, that we actually get the uh, opportunity to have one of these conversations. And so, you know, um, the hope will be eventually one day we can do this on like a Facebook or YouTube live or, you know, whatever the case may be, but Mm -hmm. just starting one, is just, just exciting, just invigorating. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, then we probably need to do that. Don't we? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So, uh, Dev took the opportunity to take, uh, the questions that we have and break them down into, I guess, kind of two different categories. Um, and some of these may not have a 2A1G field, but we just want to honor the questions that are being asked. So it's probably a, a good idea to do that. And to be honest, we may dissect some, may not get, well, I think we can get to them all. You think I, th- we? I think so. Okay. Some of them all might right. just be quick. Yeah. Some, some yeah. of them might be oh, deeper, yeah. but we'll, I will, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my eye on the clock. Okay. Good and idea. And we should say, uh, we, we can't go more than like four minutes. <laughs> Because if you look at it, there's a 12 questions. Four minutes would be 48 minutes. Okay. So that's enough time. And some of them would be a little less, but in order to yeah. avoid rambling. I think a couple <laughs> of them are going to be like <laughs> three seconds. Yeah, a couple of them might just be super fast. Yeah. In yeah, which yeah. case, I might time bank it like the old carryover minutes. Oh, we'll wow. see. <laughs> see how it goes. Yo, those phone plans. I remember yeah. those. So mm-hmm. great. Thank you, Sprint. Remember Thank when you, so you could much. only call people on nights and weekends? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yo. I'm like, yeah, you're 200 minutes for yeah, the entire sorry. month of running um, out. You're not worth calling at noon. Nope. <laughs> you're more of an 8 o'clock person. Yep, exactly. <laughs> sorry, I'll I get back to you. I saved them for Jay Brown. Uh-huh. Mama, you knew that I was going to be the one that you called. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord. And maybe mm-hmm. Dad. Whatever. Cool. All right, bet. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get this party started. Uh, All right. So the, the first group is kind of church related, I would say. Mm-hmm. So question one, how do you follow the Holy Spirit in busy seasons? How do you follow the Holy Spirit mm. in busy seasons? Hmm. Jordan, have you ever had busy seasons before? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Know, I feel like I don't even want to dignify that with an answer. Have you ever had unbusy seasons, I should uh, say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've really learned how to take my vacations and do absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah, of course, brother. a vacation does not constitute a season. Of course, now that you're a pastor, you might get one of them sabbaticals. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, well, it may not <laughs> count as a season like what? Like a season, summer, winter, spring, fall or something? Right. Uh, but, you know, that was three weeks of my life where I had nothing to do. So, yeah. Um, you know, you got to learn to take those things seriously. But. To I mean, the question. three weeks in Virginia is a season. That's fall and it spring. Is. Right so, now, yeah. so as we speak tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, it's going to so be summer. That's, that's and true. today yeah. is is a vortex winter. So yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we need to go and answer the question. Uh, that'd be a good idea. Uh, but yeah, so how do you follow the Holy Spirit in busy seasons? Well, uh, we here at 2A1G have a bit of a theory. And uh, it's not a theory. It's really more so just a fact. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we are able to recognize, especially in our society, that a lot of what happens in these busy seasons is uh, it is self-impressed. Yeah. Is, that, is uh, that the way we want to say it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, um, I remember reading something, uh, a book a long time ago called The Man in the Mirror. I don't remember who wrote it. Uh, but in it, I remember that 
Uh, we it wasn't Michael Jackson. Right? No, not at okay, all. Good. No, it was, it was a white Just, dude. Well, uh, well, <laughs> ambiguous. My bad. Yeah. We're back. Bad past. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but no, it, it introduced me to to the concept of something called uh, psychological obsolescence, and basically that concept explains that um, when the next and the new is out, you know, you got to be a part of it. You you got to have it. You got to get it. Um, and a big piece of that kind of folds and rolls into like the margins of our lives as well, where we have to feel like we're important. Um, we have to feel like we're necessary at all times. Uh, if not, then we feel like we are obsolete. Yeah. And so a big portion of that is us making sure that we're involved in everything and we're doing this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, in the understanding that our steps are ordered, I feel like the easiest thing to say is that if our steps are ordered, that means that they are ordered by who? They're, they're ordered by God, if you're a believer, especially. And and sometimes we give ourselves some additional steps. And, you know, I will yeah. just kind of couch it in this. I think that the easiest way to follow the Holy Spirit in busy seasons is sometimes to recognize just that your seasons should not be that busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, so I, I would actually encourage anybody who feels like it's too difficult to follow, listen to the Holy Spirit, get inside the word uh, to do what we call a life audit, uh, where you take a look at things and ask yourself the really tough question, uh, you know, FOMO be damned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is this something that is really worth my time, effort, concentration and engagement in the season? And once you are able to configure that, uh, then hopefully you'll realize, oh, OK, um, I do have a little more free space where I can actually concentrate and spend mm-hmm. time with God and and do all those things. And, and I guarantee that the spirit will be speaking very clearly mm-hmm. uh, when that stuff happens. So I would be remiss not to mention uh, a group we've been a part of recently. Um, we have a little CG uh, community group uh, of people that we've been meeting with, uh, Jordan and I. And the topic has been the Sabbath, um, which Ooh. is something that... Uh, I won't dive too much into it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's overlooked, I think, by a lot of Christians, especially modern Western Christians. Uh, it's not something that is uh, remembered or kept holy. <laughs> and uh, really what that's about is making sure that you find time to rest and find time to recharge uh, on a weekly basis, not, not three weeks every five years. Uh, it's on a regular basis. And I think that helps kind of reset our, our compass. It also forces us into a priority mindset because when you are purposely putting aside time to, to not do stuff, you have to get other things done in maybe a shorter period of time. And that doesn't mean that you can get everything done. It simply means maybe I'm, I have too much I'm focusing on. So I'd encourage people to take a look at, you know, Sabbathing and what that means. Um, John Mark Comer is the pastor person. Yeah, you know, speaker, guy. whoever yeah. that we've been <laughs> kind of following along to. So that's good stuff. So I'd, I'd recommend that. And I will say that, you know, specifically it says, how do I follow the Holy Spirit? So I've had busy seasons where I feel completely stressed out and I don't have a lot of peace. And that probably means that the busy season is, as Jordan said, self-impressed. I've also had times where I'm extremely busy and have a lot of things going on, but have a, an enormous amount of peace. And I don't feel exhausted and don't feel stressed and I think that's when you know, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path here. I'm doing yeah. the things. All the things I'm doing are the things that, that God kind of wants me to do. I think that we'll internally feel his presence on that and kind of his hand on us in that situation. Um, and it makes me think a little bit about our conversation with um, Stephen Stack 
and kind of that side hustle. Mm-hmm. Again, that side hustle, <laughs> if everything is just all about kind of marketing ourselves, you mentioned obsolescence. Like it's amazing how much, oh my gosh, I haven't posted on Instagram in a, in a day. People might forget me. Like that stuff, yeah. we're not human. Humans don't need to be marketing themselves. But I'm I feel not. like that's kind of how we think about it. Oh, I haven't been I haven't checked in here or here or here, and now people might think I'm gone. Like that's not how you should be living your life. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, so. let, let's take that a step further mm. um, on, on two fronts uh, because you're saying that, and then I'm remembering uh, before you even started this iteration of what we just call our podcast. You know, uh, the eye to eye days were great, but mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, Devin and I both really agreed upon very very quickly was that this was not going to rush us to death. Uh, we refused. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell to the gnaw. Uh, love you, mean it. But yeah, the the public eye piece and just the the continual uh, presence on social media or even in podcast world, like, you know, most folks will tell you, you got to have something, at least one episode out every week. Well, I don't know if you guys have paid attention, but we've been posting or publishing every other week. And a big part of that was because uh, we wanted to get into a, a rhythm of operating where uh, we planned and prepared as best as possible. Um, and even if we were not able to do that, uh, that we were not going to sit up here and work ourselves to death in the 11th hour trying to get content out. That just doesn't make any sense. And even our team, uh, shouts to Lauren, shouts to Alyssa, shouts to, you know, just shouts to our people. Uh, I wanted to make sure that, A, if we're not really paying them, paying them, you know, we do what we can for them uh, just so we appreciate them. Uh, but if we're not sitting up here and giving them nine to five uh, <laughs> you know, qu- quality uh, right. uh, pay, then we're not going to also give them nine to five uh, quality uh, work yield. And and so, you know, it's just one of those things where you, if you take a look at your life, you see the things that you know that you're called and purpose to do and you're trying to follow the Holy Spirit. Because, yeah, let's let's be honest. Also, if you have a life audit and you realize that you can't lay anything down in a season. Um, then, you know, what do you do? And I think to, to Devin's point, I think that's where, uh, being able to spend time with God, uh, really kind of takes the levels up a notch, uh, and it gives you what you need. Um, and this isn't one of those things where I'm telling people, you don't pray enough, you ain't doing enough, uh, or anything like that. It's more so just the understanding of what we get from the Bible. So we want to talk about the fruit of the spirit, really, uh, love, joy, peace, that we can focus on that peace thing. Remember, these are supernatural energies. They're not emotions. And so many people will tie this stuff to emotion. You can't have your love, your joy, your peace be something that could be so wayward, that could go back and forth so quickly as your emotions do. It has to be something that is anchored in your soul uh, so that when you are going through things or when the season is just so busy that you feel like you can't go to sleep or do this, that, or the other, you know that you can still feel rested because you had the opportunity to really engage what God is trying to tell you. And and to be honest with you, if you're doing that also, though, you're still going to try and make time to make sure that you are spending that time with God and in his word. And I think it was John Wesley, he's one of those old uh, folkies from way back in the day, uh, made the statement, you know, I have so many things that I have to do. I have so much stuff going on that I have no choice but to spend hours each morning in prayer. Like that's, that's kind of the mindset that we all need to have. And, and I know that in our culture, that's probably one of the more difficult things to do because we do fill each and every slot of our day with something. But I guarantee you there's some way that you can make that time for God. And when you do it, it's going to reward you deeply and richly. There you go. And we spent 10 minutes on the first question. So, um, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so, but it was worth we'll, it. It was, but we, <laughs> we'll move on to the next one now. This one I have a lot of thoughts about, but pretty concise. Uh, <laughs> how do you handle infidelity in the church if it's a leader? So I will preface this to say, uh, you do handle it differently, um, but not differently in how most churches handle it. <laughs> you handle it differently because leaders are simply held to a higher standard. And therefore, uh, you hold them more accountable and you put them through a lot of extra hurdles that just a standard individual might not have to, to go through per se. Um, but the fact is, is that you, you treat it like a lot of other sins. Uh, there needs to be remorse. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be uh, uh, ownership of what they've done. The not deflection, not excusing, not, none of that stuff. There needs to be humility. Um, and then there probably needs to simply be a, a process that needs to be followed before that person can truly gain back the, the respect and trust of their congregation or the people that are under them before they should be uh, leading over them again. That's how I look at it. And, and unfortunately, that's not really how it's done in, in a lot of cases. A lot of cases they find out and it's either just brushed aside because all of that is way too hard. That's a lot of work. Or we're too worried about what other people will think of us or our church or whatever. And so you see these, these weird situations. I mean, the, the Matt Chandler one is one that came up recently, which <laughs> was that whole thing was just bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been restored and it's still really not answered and it's still really no, weird. It's completely um, yeah, no. unknown and restored is crazy. Cause that was only like two months ago. And, well, and that's what they're saying. He was actually <laughs> supposed to have, what, like six months It was or supposed something? to be a while. Yeah, yeah. And then he ended up coming back. I, yeah. I don't quite understand but, it. And, and that's my example of how you shouldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Because the fact is, is that if you're a pastor, like, th- that's one thing I think the Catholic Church does pretty well is this atonement, this this confession of sin. Uh, when you go into the, the little booth with the priest, forgive me, I don't know what it's called because I'm not Catholic. But you go into the little booth <laughs> And the priest is in there and they're like, you know, tell me, tell me what's up, son, or whatever they say. And you're like, well, I did something bad. They're not like, okay, cool. They're like, uh, can you elaborate, please? Like, <laughs> like, there needs to be specific things that are said so that specific action can be taken. So you can't just be ambiguous about this stuff. You can't just say, oh, well, so-and-so did something bad to the point that our board collectively said they need to step down, but not so bad that we need to really tell you about it i'm sorry those two things don't align (laughs) yeah i mean it never makes sense um and that's uh, i think this question specifically um speaks directly to the real issue of uh what is it james which one is Mm -hmm. james five right just just five or three because i'm looking at three just in case uh no it's five it's the one that says confess Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking um, at the the leaders one, basically. Yeah, having no, 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 no. Yeah, higher standards. Yeah, yeah. There's two, <laughs> which is faith that our works is dead, which means that. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I'm getting a text message with more questions. Just, just so you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, lol. But anyway, yeah. No, I I think this is uh one of the uh, bigger. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, that's right. James five. Uh, so when it talks about being able to confess unto one another. Uh, your sins, and that's a, a a matter of nature and and, and, and accountability and, and the things that need to go along with that. Um, if if senior leadership 
is not able to do that with the church community at large, then there is a problem. And we've seen this go in so many different directions. Uh, and so it, how do you handle uh, infidelity in the church if it's a leader? Well, first and foremost, if you're a regular church member, you should not have to handle it. Uh, it should be getting handled. And, you know, so there's supposed to be what an elder board or you right. know uh, some type of board of, of accountability or, you know, there there are a lot of different uh, ways you can say it. But basically, there should be some type of authority above senior authority mm-hmm. uh, that's capable of doing this. Now, the problem is, as we've seen in most instances, this is some type of yes man or some type of group of buddies or some good old boys or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that are going to continue to promote uh, their people. And, you know, you've seen it with Robbie, you've seen it wherever. It's, it's, it's usually at, at the expense of the individual who has been violated um, for the purposes of making sure that, as they always say, ministry can continue to thrive and to flourish. Well, ministry is not thriving and flourishing if your people who are being hurt are not experiencing the justice uh, that our God requires for each and every one of us. So. What you can tell me now is uh, take this opportunity and and really just kind of take a look at, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, without without being an absolute jerk, uh, kind of take a look at whether or not your church uh, has these systems in place. Yeah. Um, and, and I can guarantee you, coming from different churches where I saw or heard or found out after the fact that certain <laughs> things got swept under the rug, yeah. this is a lot more difficult conversation. Uh, then we're going to have time to unpack today. But I will level that there. Um, How do you handle it? You don't handle it. (laughs) Hey, 2A1G fam, this is Jordan. And I wanted to invite you to engage with us. You can do so so far by one of two ways. The first is by good old-fashioned email. The number two Americas, the number one God podcast at gmail.com. The other is our 2A1G conversation space you can find on FB. Engage, ask real questions. Heck, bleed if you are frustrated. It's all good. We can take it. We just want to support you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all those other crazy things. Uh, But just help get the word out. Hey, thank you 2A1G family for your support and for continuing to make sure the truth reclaims the fringes. This podcast is sponsored by Real Relationship Talk, delivering inspirational and real relationship advice for your most intimate relationships. Got problems? Let's solve them, because real trials need real truths. From strong to struggling marriages, it's time to get in the game with marriage coach and podcast host Dana Shea. Listen to the Real Relationship Talk podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com or everywhere podcasts are played. Yeah, it's kind of that old adage of if you prepare for the worst, uh, and, and you're right. Like, I mean, even in, in my occupation, we help people plan for the bad stuff that could happen so that when it happens, we know how to handle it. Right. So that we know yeah. how to proceed. And so, yes, if you are in a church environment or underneath leadership that doesn't appear to have an accountability structure or some sort of, you know, like you said, eldership or some sort of just plan to when something goes wrong, this is how it's handled. Right. You don't make those decisions in the midst of it. You make those decisions before, and then you hold yourself to whatever standard that you had laid out. Yeah. yeah and, and I think that's true of kind of any issues, not just infidelity, but any issues that a leader could go through. So, yes. 
Right. Uh, next one. Can church? Fo- <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> can church folk? Yeah. Can church folk have money? Like, it's okay to stunt a little, but right in Jesus' name. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Absence. Yeah. A beautiful thing. Hallelujah. So we know, Jordan, that there's nothing wrong with money itself. That money is uh, agnostic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, however, uh, money can corrupt. And, and money can, I mean, when they talk about the love of money being the, the root of, of evil things, right? Like mm-hmm. that means that money can take root and it can cause some serious problems in your life. And so money itself is not the problem, uh, but how we approach it or how we prioritize it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would just say this and you get the chance, we can go back to that conversation that we have with Stephen Stack, I would definitely encourage you guys to go listen to it if you haven't already. Yeah. There's much to say about wealth. Uh, there's much to say about greed and uh, the difference between the two and how they apply themselves. I said before, uh, is this one word called generosity. And here's the thing, you know, the Bible shows us a lot of different things. People want to have conversations about this till no land's end and it goes into the political sphere and it goes into, you know, personal matters. Uh, you know, folks believe uh, that the Bible calls us to poverty in some instances. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and some people believe that the Bible calls us to prosperity right. and financial prosperity specifically in certain instances. And um, I, I look at it and, you know, we, we talked about uh, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter four, having passages that seem very, very socialist or communist. Um, at the yep. same time, uh, Acts chapter five and the end of chapter four also shows us that there had been some really, really rich folk, not necessarily from a capitalist stand, capitalist, excuse me, standpoint. Right. Um, but you know, there were people in there who had money. There were people bankrolling exactly the start of the church. Lydia had <laughs> money. Yeah. You know, Lydia was selling them purple cloths. You know, and and these these are the things that we need to pay attention to. Is that there's a system of both and that can be wrapped up in this. And so I will say this, can church folk have money? The answer is, it's not that they can have money. I think that it's required um, because we need people who are going to be willing and able. (laughs) I'm willing. Right, right. I'm not not able though, not yet. You know, maybe one day that'll come, but we need to have folk that are willing and able to resource, to supply, to fund, kingdom measures in all fronts, especially those that we are called to where it comes to taking care of the last, the lost, and the least. Yep. So. I also um, think there's this common saying that I hear from Christians, you know, blessed to be a blessing. Um, I've kind of unpacked that more recently because it's, it's actually not the best way to look at things because what it's saying is basically if you're blessed to be a blessing, the blessed comes first. (laughs) So you're saying, hey, bless me first, and then I'll be a blessing. That's not really how uh, generosity works. Generosity comes out of giving from what you already have. It also kind of deems a weird thing like, hey, bless me, so then I can figure out how I will bless others. Oh, because we're better at knowing how to bless people than God is? Like, So there's this, this, nope. there's this very tricky mindset that, it doesn't on its surface feel like it's prosperity gospel, right? That feels like, oh, this is great. That means that I'll be helpful. But in reality, we're kind of flipping the order of things a little bit and determining, oh, well, if God gives me the provision, 
I can now be the one to provide provision for others. Well, well, no, 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 no. If anything, we should be just saying, Lord, bless, bless everybody. (laughs) Uh, And that's kind of the point. (laughs) If everyone did what they were supposed to do, then ultimately we would probably be in that state. But the problem is so many people have a mindset that basically says that that is a social ill. And mm-hmm. Like, how does right. having wholeness and, and, and equity, how is that a social ill? Never mind. Right. We don't have time. Yeah. Um, but on, real quick, on the second half, is it, is it okay to stun a little bit? You know what? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because we, we have the, we've been joking for ages about the whole pre- preachers and sneakers joint. Yeah. Um, I almost don't have a problem with that when it comes to certain people. Um, like TD, TD be wearing stuff. I mean, like, good God, son, are you serious? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, though, you know, he's taking the time. He doesn't take money from the church. His church is still somewhat a prosperity gospel church, but that's a different conversation. But he's earned his. He wrote books, a lot of them. He's made shows, a lot of them. He's made movies, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He's in real estate, a mm-hmm. lot of it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, what I'm saying? there's like, there's there's means that, yeah, that yeah. are providing. Now, yeah. and, and then ultimately, I'll just I will camp it in this, though, when it comes to spiritual leadership, though. Are they taking some of their money at least and still sacrificially investing that into the causes? You know what I'm saying? If they're not, that's a different story. You right. know, that's the thing that we've heard maybe about uh Furtick and a couple of other people. Yeah. Obviously those who have been Was in the it uh, Gray bought the car or something? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, no, but that that's a different story. That goes back to number two. Well that's that's in, a, they're actually well the, and what's interesting though, they're kind of they're somewhat linked because yeah. I actually believe that when you're talking about the preachers and sneakers thing. The reason that comes about is because it's it's kind of this hypocritical thing. It's trying to highlight the hypocrisy. And mm-hmm. I personally, I tease Jordan all the time. I'm like, thank God that he did not <laughs> put a calling on my life to be a pastor because I don't want to have to deal with the restraints that come along with that. And if you read through your Bible, there's a lot of restraints that come with being a pastor. Right. Okay. And the fact is, is that you need to know if you're a pastor your primary goal is never to be making money. So if money starts coming along with it, you probably need to start really checking yourself. Because if money's coming along with it, it probably means that that money needs to be going out into the, the community or the people that we're called to help. And if you're a pastor, you, you pretty much need to say, look, I will be living a life of humility and, and not one of opulence. And so to me, it doesn't mean you can't have like a nice car and a nice home but you need to be really careful about how nice your things are simply because it, it does not bode well to the message that you're trying to send to people. And so that's, that's kind of my take. So, yep. Amen. A lot we of pastors can. would disagree with that, but that's okay. Uh, um, no. All right. Uh, next one. Indeed. Do you feel that there is favoritism in the church? Uh, if so, how do you think God wants us to deal with it? How do you battle this issue so it doesn't grow into church hurt? Uh, yes, there's absolutely favoritism in the church, but they're also that that's wrong. <laughs> yep. um, you know, uh, Corinthians, it talks about uh, the, the, the many parts make up one body and, and no part is, you know, greater than any of the others. It's just simply hey, the, these are the gifts that God has given you. There's not a hierarchy to those gifts. Uh, I do think that as, as humans, we are inherently trying to build up a hierarchy, right? Like yeah. the reason why we love sports so much is because we get to 
deem a champion. We get to deem the best. We get to shower them with praise, whatever. Like everything is competition, competition, competition. Christianity should not be competition. Um, in Christianity, we, we should not have winners and losers. We should have just simply winners. And we should be finding people and helping promote them to become winners. And if it means that, that people who already feel like they're quote-unquote winning, they should be giving of themselves to provide equity to other people, which the equity will then promote equality. And I, I think that's where we really lose our way because in every structure we have with humanity— it's, it's all about these, you know, these hierarchy trees, <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got these down here and then it slowly goes up the pyramid and well, there's a reason why it's shaped like a pyramid and, yeah. and oddly the pyramid early on wasn't great for God's people. So let's think about that too. So, Chill out. Yeah. That's good. That goes all the it. way back. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, well, you know, I'll say this, uh, God in, in, in the Bible, it says God is no respecter of persons. Or it says that in some past or some uh, some versions, it says that God shows no favorites. Do I feel like there's favoritism in the church? Uh, there's a brand of favoritism in the church. And I don't know if it necessarily uh, applies to the understanding of the biblical favorites that God's going to have in eternity. And that's the that's the awkward conversation here. He doesn't have any <laughs> yeah. favorites, but in eternity, it's it's going to look really, really awkward. And, and so I don't want to speak too, too, too much to this one um, because I will say this, that there should be a certain type of favoritism in the church. And that's going to rub some folks the wrong way. But hear me clearly as a pastor, um, I look at Hebrews chapter 13 uh, and specifically everything after verse eight. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forevermore. I can't remember exactly what verse it is, but it makes note of individuals who are under the care of the shepherd. And it basically says, please don't get on your pastor's last nerve. <laughs> He's trying to look out for you, uh, to shepherd you. And, and, and let me also be doubly clear real quick, because I do want to tie a bow on this one, though. I get that as humans, we are all going through it, especially the past three years. There's nothing ever clearer than the fact that we all have stuff that has impacted our lives, uh, disease, social unrest, just all the different chasms, you name it. Um, then you lose gam gam. Um, and, and, you know, then your whole world just seemingly falls apart and, and you need someone there. And really what you need is church community. Um, but a lot of folks think that that's someone that you go to, uh, is going to be your pastor. And, and I understand that. And I get that, but I'm gonna pack it in by saying this, at the same time, let's be clear that the style of communication and the expectation of the church parishioner is something that is also drastically changed from way back in the day. You know, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, mm. you revered the pastor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you were dusting off the Bible because, you know, the pastor was coming over for dinner that one night and, mm. you know, you hadn't picked it up or read it in such a long time. Now you fast forward and it's different. The style of, of, of communication is, is marry me, bury me. Um, I didn't agree with what your sermon said. Um, all, you know, just all the, all the things that can stress a pastor out. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying this about anybody in my church specifically, but I have witnessed over and over again, pastor friends of mine um, who have really just kind of been fed up. And also let me say this, I know we're talking about favoritism in the church. You wouldn't think that this kind of contributes to this, but ultimately what, uh, what other things do you think play their part 
and what happens with the statistics that now say over 40 something percent of pastors want to quit the, like quit being a pastor or maybe quit the faith altogether. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things for me. And so, you know, I'm not saying that the design of the parishioner or the church members to make a pastor's life easier. I'm just taking this from this perspective, you know, we're not God. And at the end of the day, God will judge. And I hope that there is popcorn at the gates in heaven because it's going to be fun. (laughs) But well, and, and I think it is the responsibility of a pastor to kind of root out some of that favoritism mentality too, Mm -hmm. because I mean, the reason why this question is being asked is because whoever asked this question probably felt that they attended a church where that existed. Yeah. And if that culture existed, I guarantee you it is because the person at the top instilled that culture, whether mm-hmm. they did it uh, you know, purposely or passively, it, it existed because they allowed it to exist. And to, to some form or fashion, they allowed it to breed within what was going on. And kind of okayed it because they probably participated in yeah. that. No, I'll agree. I, I will say yeah. that. I think I'm looking at it from two different perspectives. Yeah. yeah um, but I definitely don't have a problem with that. Right. Because if there's something I know about my church is that I do not want to right. do that. And I, I think that's probably different. where this yeah. question's coming from because then that final one is, you know, how do we battle uh, the issue of church hurt? Right. And how does it not grow into yeah. church hurt? And so this is very much probably coming from somebody who has either been hurt in the church or seen people that they care about hurt in the church. And that being said, listen, there's no way to completely avoid being hurt in the church because we're humans and we're going to we're going to hurt each other. But I think if, if at all possible, like I think about this whenever I get kind of irritated with somebody or disagree with somebody when it all if at all possible. Right. If at all possible. Be at peace with all men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just think about that. Yeah, so. 100%. No. Um, okay. All right. Good, good, good. Yeah. Man, so. there's so much. Good Good God. Yeah, yeah. there is. Talk to there is. Um, right. We're going to move, move on. on. Social? Yeah. Social questions? Yeah. Okay. So these questions are more so for the social. Yeah. If you couldn't tell. The stuff that we talk a lot about. <laughs> yeah, a lot absolutely. About, yeah, this this would be more the, the dissect that is really kind of 2A1G-esque. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this one. We can, we can do some things. We can definitely yeah. do some things. So number one, and I will preface this one that my uh, mind has changed uh, on how I feel about this one uh, over the last several years. How do you handle cancer questions? I'm assuming that that doesn't mean the disease, but uh, hot button or delicate questions or, you know. Yeah. Uh, when people are angry. So basically, how do we handle dealing with certain questions that are probably going to polarize, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So I would probably consider that very last word first. When people are angry. I, it, I'm i an argumentative person. Uh, I like to debate. I like to challenge. I like to go through that. I think anyone who listens knows that. But I, in, and it may not come across, but generally speaking, the reason I am that way is because I am trying to either learn more about what someone else believes uh, in some cases, I am trying to persuade because, of course, when we hold an opinion, we would love for other people to hold that opinion, too. But where I have kind of gone to more recently is that last word when people are angry. If people are getting angry over topics, it's probably not worth having that discussion or having those questions come up. Um, to me, 
those discussions and those debates on these hot button issues, you know, we can, I mean, they're easy, right? We've got uh, uh, gay, lesbian, uh, you know, alternative lifestyle questions. We've got abortion questions. You've got all these hot button issues. If people are getting angry, don't forget race, race issues. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, if people are getting angry, it probably means that they are not in that conversation in good faith. Um, and it doesn't mean that they can't approach that conversation in good faith. It just means that at least in that moment, because anger is an emotion that they're feeling, it might not be best to handle it that way. Um, I will also say that if this is related to you know pastors or, or church people and how they handle it, Pastors too often will ignore these types of questions because they simply don't want to mm. anger anybody. Uh, or they will bring up the question and be so ambiguous about how they answer it that both sides can actually feel kind of validated in how they feel. Mm. And I think that is that kind of coincides with the, hey, be hot or cold. When, when our answers on these tough questions are lukewarm and we're not really taking a stand one way or the other, it's probably doing more damage than yeah, good. Yeah, no, I can definitely uh, attest to that. Uh, let me put a bend on it just a little bit. All right, Beckham. You know, I, back I, to soccer talk. Yeah, I, I just want Beckham's <laughs> paycheck. Anyway, um, yeah, but nice. yeah, you know, I, I would say this. When it comes to this, one of the things that I would automatically assume about this question specifically is that mm-hmm. this is supposed to be handled in either a one-on-one conversation or in a group setting. Right. As a pastor, one of the things that I encourage is for our people to make sure that they are at I, I just everything I say now is the table. Like, well, let's I invite people to the table. Let's right. get to the table. Right. Let's sit yeah. down. Let's let's have a meal. Let's have a conversation. If a pastor more often than not is talking about something from the pulpit now. I ain't going to say no names, Ed Young. Um, it's usually because they're more so invoking their own opinion. Um, and it's not based off of anything having to do with biblical rights. Uh, Especially when they're hardly addressing any biblical Yeah, when you're support. not using scripture, then <laughs> no. this is, it's really a moot conversation. So, yeah. But I will say this. What I would say from the pulpit, and I've said a couple times already, um, is if somebody has a question or an issue or something that they feel like they do or don't agree with someone about, um, let's get to the table. Uh, and yeah. so, cause for me, when, when you provide a biblical answer, I can see your point. I've seen that sometimes how some people will take that. And then it's just a matter of it being subject to interpretation. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I've so, left uh, preachings and been like, wow, I saw it this way. And someone's like, Oh, well I saw it. Th-. And I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I know that that's something that can happen, you know, as a, even more so as a hermeneutics professor, somebody could look at a text Oh yeah, and they can eisegete again. Eisegeting is taking something kind of out of context to right. fit to an support, opinion or something. Exactly. How you already support feel. Yeah. how they feel <laughs> instead of actually looking into it and, and seeing what they're supposed to be taking away from it, uh, which is exegesis. So yeah, no, but when we're talking about something like these, the cancer questions, you're yeah. right. And then I also, so recall talking to our our new good brother Patrick Miller, mm-hmm. um, and how he said, you know, he he kind of asks where somebody stands yeah, on something if yeah. they're on a scale of one to ten, and if they're a nine or a ten, he's not he, even he's approaching not the conversation. Yeah, yeah you it's just, probably uh, that, not worth it. And yeah. so I would say, I say the exact same thing though. Like yeah. if we're doing that, then it's if you can if you can approach them and get that answer prior to being able to have the conversation and you know that they're a nine or a 10, then it's just time to turn somebody over to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's also going to save you peace. a lot of heartache because right. I mean, let's think about it when we're in a situation where someone's angry, 
in a lot of cases, it's hard for us not to also get angry, <laughs> you know? So it's, it very much comes down to, look, when we approach these conversations, A, we need to be in a setting uh, of good faith where people are wanting to have these conversations. So as Jordan says, people at the table. I think that's hard to understand because we feel like that's less possible now simply because everything is digital and everything's just online and everything's just, you know, social media, whatever it is. But in reality, you're not going to solve a whole lot there. And Jordan and I know this firsthand. We've had a lot of conversations with people in person that have solved a lot more in at least an understanding. It might not necessarily change somebody's mind, but it certainly provides an understanding. And it, it's actually kind of worth the effort in that case. Um, but also know that any type of these quote unquote cancer questions, they're not going to be solved or even adequately discussed over one table meeting. <laughs> no, no, not at all. There, there probably requires multiple meetings. It also requires, in a lot of cases, it requires uh, the building of relationship first so that there is, is trust and goodwill kind of already existing and then these conversations become a little bit more fruitful because people actually know you know your character they care. like I wouldn't go out trying to, to make friends by saying hey who'd you vote for that's probably not the best way to make friends first you probably <laughs> you probably you probably need to like get to know them on on a non hmm. hot button level first who knew so crazy yeah. oh, that's, that's wild yeah, well, I think we can pack that one down right there because if not, yeah, there's there's way yeah. too much more to unpack. I mean, some of these could just be a whole, whole episode. True. But um, all right, this number two, uh, proposed history curriculum in Virginia. What is really going on? Okay, well, we're we're going to be quick and to the point on this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't even think that we can. Uh, I know I don't have enough information. I know what it's about. I know what's being said. Um, I don't have all the intricate details. Uh, but basically, long story less is uh, from the very top of our government and VA, uh, they've decided that they want to do things with the curriculum, um, the history curriculum specifically. And one of the things they want to do is they want to exclude anything that has to do with Martin Luther King Jr. OK, that's all I need to hear. This is what we have to say about this. Um, if you're in support of individuals who are coming and specifically the reason why this is a thing is because I'm sure he's a nice guy. But our governor, uh, he has a heavy right lean. Uh, he may have been included in folks that were considered election deniers, but then didn't want to associate with those people. But then at the same time, still had some thoughts. Uh, and now we find ourselves here where he is one of the people who is championing this new history curriculum, which actually was struck down initially. I don't know. I guess they're trying to bring it back to the docket again. Um, but anybody who... Uh, comes to the table with an agenda like that, that is trying to, for no other reason than kind of promote their own uh, ideas or uh, their desire to dismiss certain things, um, get rid of MLK. <laughs> yeah. Like, nah, 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 Playboy. I mean, th this is telling. If you are someone who supports that individual, you can continue supporting that individual, but I would very much question why they want to do something like that, and I'll leave that there. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Um, I am of the opinion that uh, there should be a separation of church and state. Um, the reason why I believe that is because that's kind of how God set it up. God gave us free will. So it wasn't about like, hey, we need to 
hammer home our religious beliefs uh, in every situation. Um, that's that's not how Jesus handled it, and it's oh, really not how we should. But thirty seconds time out yeah. because first of all, sorry, if that's a part of your religious beliefs that leads you to well, no, I'm just I'm, I'm no, saying I know, I, I you know, know what you're I'm saying. saying. Yeah. I know, but yeah. I, I think that 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 bears a, a touch of repeating and maybe just a little touch of a drill down as well because really that's a big part of what this is, and this goes into the bigger. Uh, question of how we even got here in the first place where uh, political issues somehow had biblical ties even though they don't have biblical ties exactly. right? That's, because that's what yeah. we're dealing with here right. with, with our governor if you want to know his name just look it up um, what's funny to me too is that a lot of people who are in his you know mindset think that a book like White Fragility is this terrible wasted book and, and can't believe it M- meanwhile Literally, a lot of the reason why this cur- curriculum is being adjusted is because it's hurting white people's feelings. So, <laughs> so uh, there is a lot of fragility. And yeah. uh, so, anyways, that's yep. Again, that's a political thing, and there's going to be it's it's you know research that stuff. And when you research, I will just say this: uh, read multiple sources, and uh, you can go to a media bias website, look up media bias, and you can get an idea for how various sources are rated on their lean. And I would say just stick closely to the middle or slight left, slight right, but you start getting out you know, on the wings there, and that's where trouble starts, so avoid that. Yeah. I think this couple's nice. They actually will skip uh, a few questions that we'll come back to, but this couple's nice with... Oh, was dude, these are the ones that have the I know, but w- but because answer. we talked about MLK, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the questions was: Was the baton ever passed from MLK? What would he say slash think about everything that's happened these last four to five years? Two A One G podcast is birthed by the Inspired One Enterprises, executive and co-producers Jordan Brown and Devin Chandler, editing and engineering Lauren Price. Graphics and creative engagement, Alyssa Wise. Intro song for 2A1G done by Dave Hummel Music. Interlude and outro music, Colin Brown. Voiceover experience for 2A1G done by none other than the original, the Reverend Dr. Clarence R. Brown Jr. Thanks, Pop. And thank you, everybody else, for listening again. Please find us on FB and IG at 2A1G Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this experience with your world. Thank you once again. And until next time, please do your part to ensure the truth continues to reclaim the fringes. Peace.